he knew that if the gooks saw the watch, he'd be confiscated, taken away. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. You'd be damned if any slope's going to put the greasy other hands on his boy's birthright. So he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. He'd give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then after seven years, I was sent home to my family. Welcome to Happy Fun Time Movie Hour. My name is Eric, and across from me is Arwen. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Funtime Movies One. That is Funtime Movies and the number one. You can also follow us on Facebook. We are Happy Fun Time Movie on Facebook. Subscribe to us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And Stitcher. How do you mix those up every time? They both got S's, man. It's, <laughs> it's an S world. So, this movie's a long movie. But it doesn't feel like a long movie. Not really. I mean, it really kind of moves very quickly until you get to one scene. Yeah. And then everything kind of just slows down. Right. And you're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> So, what movie are we talking about? Pulp Fiction. We are talking about Pulp Fiction. Uh, rated R, 1994. Two hours, 34 minutes. So, buckle in, boys and girls. <laughs> this movie is directed by one of my favorite directors. I think I own all of his movies on DVD. We watched this on Netflix. It is available as of January 1st on Netflix. So, you can watch it. It's directed by Quentin Tarantino. He directs, you know, before this he directed Reservoir Dogs. Before that he had writing credits on uh, Natural Born Killers and True Romance. Mm -hmm. Pulp Fiction is probably the first movie where uh, you know that he's building some sort of world. Some fictional world that they live in. Um, I've heard about... There's the real, real world that is, you know, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious Bastards. And then there's the, where they're watching movies, like From Dusk Till Dawn. Right, like Jackie Brown, I think, is a good movie where they're talking about that. Yeah. I like his world building. It's almost like the, uh, the 1970s violent, like, Dirty Harry style movies just... Made for a more modern viewership. Yeah. So. That's uh, what I get when I'm watching the uh, the title sequences come through. Yeah. It feels very much like a 70s movie. Oh, yeah. I remember going to the movies in the 70s. Um, I never really went to rated R movies, but I, you know, we'd watch previews and you'd hear that guy with a deep voice and <laughs> I can't even mimic his voice. Uh, but it'd be like, the octagon. <laughs> Come see Chuck Norris break backs, you know oh things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it 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 has that feel. Um, there's a there's a definite style to his movies. People are out of this world actors in this movie. Uh, um, John Travolta. This is his first movie 
since I think Luke who's talking. Yeah, I think so. And this was kind of a comeback for him. Yeah, he had done a string of really terrible movies. Like um, Look Who's Talking. Like yeah, like Luke or who's Look talking. Who's Talking Three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it kind of launched his career, um, and he's still uh, working to this day. I can't remember what he's done lately, but you know, it helped him fund his Battlefield Earth movie. What has he done lately? I don't know. Let's just see here. All right. He's working on something called Moose right now, which is a thriller, and. The picture, unbelievable. Like, oh yeah. Oh, he did Gotti, and everybody hated that. He did Gotti recently. That that's the most recent thing he did. And then like he did American Crime Story, right? He was yeah, uh, that Shapiro. Mm-hmm. And okay, that was I couldn't watch it. Yeah, it was unwatchable. I, I could not watch it. I'm not a big uh, fan of Schwimmer, and, uh, and John Travolta just looked weird. So, yeah, John Travolta, uh, he got cast for this because of a movie that I've seen um, as well, but Quentin Tarantino loved the movie called Blowout. And he, I don't think I've seen that movie. Uh, it's like a 1980-something movie. Uh, he plays this photographer that witnesses a murder. Oh. And things get out of hand. Huh. Um, it's really cool, though. A lot of style, a lot of similar style to Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Uma Thurman's in this movie. Big, tall girl. Love Uma. Yeah, yeah. She's got model good looks. I mean, she's just great. Um, I think my favorite movie of hers is probably the Kill Bill movies. Yeah, the Kill Bill movies. Which is also Quentin Tarantino. And I think she was in Gattaca. She was. That was a good movie. A lot of people don't know Gattaca. But every time I'm in the shower, I feel like I'm in that movie because I'm always trying to rub off skin cells, you know? Yeah, scrubbing off the skin. (laughs) Um, yeah, Kill Bill movies, you know, those are spectacular movies, samurai-type film. I think one of her first films was where she played, uh, the goddess Venus. Yeah. In that one movie. What's that movie called? Uh, The Adventures Baron of Baron Moon- Moonchild. Yeah. Which a lot of people haven't seen that movie either. It's a It's, it's an great. excellent Terry Gilliam film. Yeah. Um, it's supposedly a, uh, spiritual sequel to Time Bandits. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. If we ever go into Time Bandits, Brazil, Baron Munchausen, I'll talk a little bit more about it because it's it's an interesting thing because those three movies, they're called the trilogy. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either until recently. I was just watching some nerdy stuff. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah, Umar Thurman, man. Uh, My super crazy ex-girlfriend or whatever it was called. Yeah, the super (laughs) ex-girlfriend. That movie shouldn't have been made. (laughs) Bite your tongue. It's funny, but come on. Yeah. Samuel Jackson, um, he's the black guy in the movies. He's in everything. Yeah, he's that black guy in the movies. Yeah. I just hate saying it. <laughs> but it's it's kind of true. Like, we were looking back through his list of films, and we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize he was in this. Or, hey, he was in this, and it was just kind of like, I had this, no idea he was in so many films. This movie is clearly the one that brought him out as a superstar. I could see that. I mean, I think he did Jurassic Park later. I can't remember. Well, we can just figure that out right now. Yeah. But he has a little bit part in that. He had a little bit part in uh, Goodfellas. And um, he had a little bit parts in, like, everything. And now he's Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's John Shaft. Yeah, he's Mr. Glass, for Pete's sake. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Glass coming out. What was I looking for? Jurassic Park. That's right. 
Pulp Fiction 94, Jurassic Park 93. Okay, so it was after his Jurassic Park. Um, the guy who plays the bartender, Paul, in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, he auditioned to play Jules. Oh, did he? Yeah, and uh, he did not get it. Sam Jackson got it. So, good on him. Going up against Samuel Jackson, it's probably like there's no no way to win. Yeah. He's just too good of an actor. But at that Even time... Even at that time, he has always been that talented. Yeah. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> okay, um... Tim Roth, he was in Reservoir Dogs. He mm-hmm. played the cop. Yeah. Uh, spoilers, he plays a cop. <laughs> um, Mr. Orange. Yeah. In this um, movie, he plays Pumpkin. Yeah, Pumpkin. <laughs> and uh, he was also in Four Rooms. You probably haven't seen that movie, but if you had, he's the bellhop mm-hmm. that uh, kind of interconnects all the stories. Yeah. Uh, okay, Amanda Plummer. Yes. My favorite role of hers would be playing the mom hooker in Freeway. I don't think I've seen Freeway. Yeah, you've seen it, but no, that's just a joke. Uh, I was going to say. She does play a mom hooker in in Freeway, but no, that movie's... Wasn't she in... Yeah, she was in uh, The Fisher King. Yeah. That's that's, the best one. That's the role that I love her in. (laughs) Yeah. The Fisher King, uh, excellent movie. Amanda Plummer, your heart. Uh, Jeff Bridges, Robin Williams, and it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so we go, we go down, and you know, and like, the biggest star in this movie is Bruce Willis in 1994. In, in this era, yeah, I think yeah. that's accurate. Yeah, he's just, he's in the middle of doing Die Hard movies. Yeah. He's doing television. He's got his own band. Oh, I mean, things I are just going for him, man. And, uh, yeah, he's at, I think, his peak mm-hmm. during, I, I, during the I filming of this movie. I have to agree with that. Um, Ving Rhames, a person I never even heard of until this movie. Yeah. Um, but he has gone on to do a lot of good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite uh, is his Don King Only in America HBO movie. Oh. Yeah, he uh, he plays Don King. Eric Stoltz. Star of Back to the Future. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to be. Uh, but, no, we rem- I remember Eric Stoltz. First time I ever saw anything of his was The Mask. Uh, not the Jim Carrey one. The, the one where oh, he plays. Oh, yeah. The one with Cher. Rocky the, uh, yeah, uh, Rocky the man with the elephant man syndrome. Whatever yeah, that's called. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Sam, uh, what's his name? He's on the ranch. Sam... Man, he's not the top two screw, on that thing. Screw the Democrats. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. <laughs> so, yeah, Stan, Sam Elliott, Cher, and Eric Stoltz. That's the first time I ever saw a movie like that. Uh-huh. And my brother hated that movie. Really? Yeah, because he was just disturbed by the guy's face. Oh, I could understand um, that at the time. Another movie he's in, you know, some kind of wonderful. That one's my favorite of it his. It is. Jesus and Hutch. <laughs> he plays Jesus. I know. Uh, and of course, yeah, he's very famous for not playing Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Yeah. Like, they filmed a lot of scenes with him, and they scrapped him for uh, a a better comedic actor. Well, you know, sometimes somebody just doesn't fit the role. Right. Their style just isn't working. Um, who else is in this movie? Rosanna Arquette. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You can start that over. Rosanna Arquette. 
and her brothers in this movie. Yeah. Alexis Arquette. I don't know if that's what he was billed as at that point. When I saw the uh, trailer originally, I thought it was Jerry Seinfeld. I can understand that because Very having similar seen hair. Alexis Arquette later in life, yeah, I, I wouldn't have recognized him. But Alexis Arquette also played the Boy George cosplayer in The Wedding Singer. Yeah, she, he, he's listed as our Alexis Arquette. Okay. Christopher Walken is in this movie with the probably the best monologue. <laughs> Hopefully we've we've already heard this monologue. And Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. Who else did you have? Frank Whaley. Well, who's Frank Whaley? He was in Swing Kids, but he has also been in The Doors. He was recently in Luke Cage. And uh, he plays Brett. Yeah. Poor Brett. Poor Brett. Though he calls him Brad at one point, too. Yeah, look at the big brain on Brad. (laughs) So, we have some cameos. There's a lot. There's three in particular, though. The ones, three I'm thinking of. Well, Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin is in this. Steve Buscemi. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Julia Sweeney. Now, would Steve Buscemi be considered a cameo or just a background actor in this? He's a cameo. That's a cameo. Anytime there's a famous person. Was he in famous mo- in 1994? Absolutely. He was Mr. Pink. Okay. So there you go. Okay. All right. Julia Sweeney definitely was. Yeah. Julia Sweeney. I think she had just gotten done with uh, the the Pat movie. Oh. And she I think she something. was trying to redeem herself a little bit because that movie uh, really set, set her on a depression. It was a bad path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I only know that from her one-woman show, God Said Ha, where she talked a little bit about uh, the Pat character. That's worth watching, too. Yeah. All right. Story time. (laughs) Can I steal that? In this instance, I think so. Yeah, it's 1994. I've seen this trailer. I saw a thing where uh, it won the Palm Door Award at Cannes. And uh, I was like... I really got to go see this movie. But I had no idea what this movie was about. I know that John Travolta and and Samuel L. Jackson were playing Hitman. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know anything else. Right. And I had not seen Reservoir Dogs. And I had not seen Natural Born Killers. And I had not seen True Romance. So Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was going to go see. Okay. Me and my friend, we go there. There's a lot of people in there. Mm -hmm. And it's not opening weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it was a couple weeks later. You know, I was a pizza guy, and I usually didn't have Fridays off. Right. This time, I had Friday off. So we sit down, and uh, the opening sequence happens. What What's in this opening sequence, This yes? is the diner, right? Yeah. They're in the diner. It's, it's Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer talking about crimes and things like that. And I'm like... Well, this is interesting. I was like, maybe he's a cop and he's like trying to research how people think, you know, maybe he's doing the psychology thing. And then suddenly I'm, you know, they their their conversation goes a little uh, weirder about how maybe they rob liquor stores and banks, but nobody's ever robbed a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And she goes, let's do it right now. And he pulls out his gun. He goes, all right, they kiss. I love you, pumpkin. I love you too, honey bunny. He stands up. Okay, cool it. This is a robbery. 
And then she says her famous line that I'm not yeah. going to repeat. <laughs> but, you know, any of you mother effers move and I'll execute every last one of you. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Freeze frame to Miserloo by Dick Dale. And then in the middle of that, you know, there's credits yeah. going. And in the middle of that, it, it like, you know, you hear the record scratch. And it's Jungle Boogie by the Coolna Gang. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I looked at my friend. I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so that was my first impression. And I was hooked from the beginning of that scene to the very end scene. Mm-hmm. And my friend hated the movie. Really? Yeah. He was such a stick in the mud. Yeah, he was. Um, I think he appreciates it more now. I'm sure. Um, but at the time... I talked about this movie a lot yeah. after this. And he was like, hey, you're boring. Yeah, I'm boring. <laughs> yeah, this opening scene is really interesting, though. Yeah. Because when when you look at the overarching movie, it's such a small portion. Yeah. But it makes a huge impact. I literally thought that Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer, it was about them. And it was kind of like a heist movie. Yeah. And then it wasn't a heist movie. It cuts straight to Vincent Vega, played by John Travolta, and Jules, and I can't remember his last name, played by Sam Jackson. Jules Winfield. Jules Winfield. Vincent Vega obviously just got back from Amsterdam. He's real excited about it. He's ta- telling his uh, buddy, and he's like talking about hash bars, you know, and uh, how you can just go to these things, light up. Smoke hash or marijuana mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, get high. And it's not a problem. Um, you can have like an ounce on you, I think he said. I think so. Uh, and police can stop you, but they can't search you. Yeah. So, I mean, they talk like these criminals. Uh, just in this, like, this is how business is. Mm-hmm. And the cops here suck, but the cops <laughs> over in Amsterdam are pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and then, and then they talk about... And this is one of the most parodied things in the world. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, uh, a Scooby Doo uh, parody of this, where uh, I think I think Scooby's driving. No, uh, Shaggy's Shaggy probably driving. Would probably be driving. <laughs> but like they're like, you know what they call a Big Mac? And he's like, what do they call a Big Mac? The Big Mac. Oh, the Big Mac. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what they call a quarter pounder? They don't call it a quarter pounder. Of course not. They got the metric system. They don't know what the hell a, uh, a quarter pound is. <laughs> um, they call it Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. <laughs> you know? And so, like, these conversations are happening. And you, you just think, what's this movie about? Who knows what this movie's really about? Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after that, a common thing that Quentin Tarantino does is uh, the perspective from the trunk. Yes. He does this. I think he... I know he did it in uh, Reservoir Dogs and this one. I, and, oh, and he did it in Jackie Brown as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those his first three films he did that in. And then, you know, he's got like... Oh, he, he did it in uh, Inglorious Bastards, definitely. Yeah. Kill Bill. Yeah. He's done it in every movie, I think. What about Hateful Eight? I, I don't know. Um, I think he did it in that there is too. A pers- there is a perspective, though, because there's a guy hiding under the floorboards. Yeah. But, uh... Interesting. Yeah. So that's, like, one of his 
signatures, mm -hmm. we'll call it. And the more we watch specific directors, like, I know that Joss Whedon, a woman's going to be barefoot. It's just going to happen. Interesting. Um, same with Quentin Tarantino. Yes. So, they're just talking. They need shotguns. How many's in there? So, these guys are either cops or they're out to murder somebody. Uh, and, and, and this scene kind of sets up the next scene, right? Right. Um, or the next segment, I mean, uh, where he's talking about this woman named Mia. Yes. What's her name again? Mia. Mia. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know nothing about her. Can you tell me something about her? Well, she shot a pilot. What's a pilot? You don't know what a TV pilot is? Oh, I don't have a TV. <laughs> okay. I don't care if you have a TV or not, but you do know that there is a there is a thing called a television, <laughs> and on that they put television programs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the first one's called a pilot, blah, blah, blah. So this is how I got, like, original, like, I knew about TV pilots, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize how, uh, how much uh, effort goes into getting a pilot on the air, and not only just on the air, to go to series. Hers was one that didn't go to series. Right. And then they talk about this guy... Samoan guy, Tony Rocker Horror. And uh, he got thrown out of a four-story building uh, for allegedly massaging Mia Wallace's feet. Okay, um, we're going to talk about another kind of signature of Quentin Tarantino's. We see him get off the elevator and walking towards us, okay? And, and of course, the camera is moving. And they're talking, talking, talking. They're talking about foot massages. It doesn't matter what they're talking about, even though the content of the conversation is hilarious. Yes. But it's this long take. So it's just this one seamless take that stops at the door that they're supposed to be at. They look at their watches. They're early. So they walk off to the other side. And the camera stays at the door. Yeah. And they're kind of far off. They're mm -hmm. like... A good, maybe 20, 30, 40 feet all away. Yeah. And they're continuing their conversation. And it's like we're kind of like watching them. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we are watching them. But it's like the it's camera. It's like you're watching just, a yeah. private conversation instead exactly. of, you know, just following along now. Right. That's another signature of Quentin Tarantino's. Okay, I can see that. Especially in Reservoir Dogs. I do like... The next scene, Marvin answers the door. Marvin's their guy on the inside, you know? Mm hmm He stands by the door and kind of crouches down, acting afraid. He probably is afraid. Yeah. Jules and Vincent, they are not uh, people to be messed with. No. Dude lying on the couch, just, just sprawled out on the couch with a burger on his chest. And who eats laying down? I, I'm lazy people. I don't know. I can't it do it. It just seems like a choking hazard. <laughs> Guy named Brad. Brett. Brett. <laughs> See, I even did it just there. Uh, yeah, uh, Brett is like sitting at a card table. A little, like a round table or I don't it's know. It's a table. Um, he's eating a he's big eating kahuna his burger. He's eating a big burger, which is another staple in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Every Quentin Tarantino movie, you'll see red apple cigarettes and big kahuna burger. Mm -hmm. And that's that new Hawaiian joint down the road. <laughs> Right? Right. Samuel L. Jackson, he's amazing in this scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
he is believable scary. His face is smiling one second, then it's a grimace the next second, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's just like intimidating this guy to the point where he goes, let me eat your burger. I know. I wrote down trying strangers food. Power play. Yeah. And not only did he try the burger, he finished off the dude's soda. Yeah. Yeah. Looking him dead in the eye. Dead in the eye. And I think, honestly, him smiling was more scarier than when he wasn't smiling. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Brett, he tries real hard to be smooth. <laughs> it just doesn't work out for him. Brett is, uh, his time is up. Yeah. Uh, he might not realize it at this point. Maybe he thinks he can sweet talk his way out. But uh, they have something that belongs to Marcellus Wallace. Now, what would that be? The briefcase. A briefcase. And what's in that briefcase? No one knows. Somebody's got to know what's in it. We saw Vincent look in there. light. Vincent looked in there. Uh, Jules looked in there. Even Pumpkin looked in there. Yeah. What's interesting about the scene is how Vincent is in the kitchen pacing. Kind of like what you'd expect an apex predator to do. Oh, yeah. And... Then you see him come up behind Brett. Yeah. And the way they're angled at each other, him and Jules. Yeah. I'm like, they could shoot each other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, do you remember the combination? Uh, 666. It's 666. I wrote down a bunch of numbers in here, too. I was like, they went to room 416. Yeah. The combination was 666. You know, I was trying <laughs> to see if there was any kind of pattern or anything that might be used in some other film. Yeah, um, there's theories on what's in the uh, the case. Some people think it just might be just gold. I don't think it's gold. Some people say it's Marcellus Wallace's soul. Interesting. Yeah. Um, there was another theory that it was something to do with the, the movie The Thing. Really? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Um, oh, something we missed saying is during the diner scene... You don't realize it the first time you're watching it, but the next time you watch it, you see Vincent is in the background. Oh, yeah. Vincent walks right by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in, I guess, his volleyball uniform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of theories on this briefcase. Um, but shortly after that, Vincent uh, kills the guy on the couch. Yeah, Just shoots him once or twice. I don't know if he really killed him. Uh, that dude's dead. It looked like a stomach shot. It don't matter. He's dead. Yeah. That's what he gets for eating while laying down. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> what? Yeah. And it's the whole what, what, what. <laughs> Say what again. <laughs> oh, I can't help but giggle through that scene. Because I know. It's, it's just, crazy. It's so crazy, but it's comedic at the same time. Yeah. And, and Brett, he's like trying to be smooth about things. And he's like, what? Uh um, is Marcellus Wallace a bitch? Yeah. What does Marcellus Wallace look like? Yeah. What? what? <laughs> At this point, his brain does not work anymore. It's obvious that he can't comprehend what's happening. Or like, what did he say? Um, is what a place? Where can I find what? Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Then he goes into probably one of the most famous parts of the movie. His, yeah. His Ezekiel... 2517. Yeah. This is a fake Bible verse, right? Um, it's not word for word. Okay. 
I, I mean, heard that it wasn't right. Yeah, it's not an accurate uh, uh, line by line of Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. And when he says this, uh, it means it's time to smoke the guy. Yeah. And they kill Brett. In a hail of bullets. But we don't see much after that because it cuts away to the, the Mia Wallace situation. Yes. And it goes to Butch. Yes. And it's his face. Yes. And it pans back and you see just the back of this Big man's head. Yeah. Right? But it's a long time before they get to that yeah. part. And I thought this scene was genius in the way it was set up. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, you don't even see Marcellus' Wallace's face until way into the third act. Um, but obviously Butch, he's a broke down fighter. And he's gonna he's gonna take a take a fall for, you know, a good chunk of money. Yeah. He doesn't look happy about it. He's not happy about it, but he, he's he's willing to do it. So yeah. everything's cool. Um, Jules and Vince show up at this point. They're they're dressed in like uh, t-shirts shorts and shorts and t-shirts, and like flip flops. Yeah, and they were in suits earlier, and you're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's this time displacement in this movie. That's why this movie deserves three, four, five, eleven rewatches. Yeah. Because you're not going to catch everything the first time. Mm-mm. So they're talking about something uh, to Paul. And then Sam Jackson has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So Vince is sitting there and he's just, you know, I think he's got a drink. Yeah, he always like has a, a coffee. drink. It kind of reminds me of like uh, Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. How Julian's always got a drink in his hand. Yeah. It seems like. Uh, he's, Vincent he's, always he's seems drinking. to get a drink. But this time it's coffee. I mean, it's morning still. All the Jules and Vince stuff happened well before 10 o'clock. Wow. Yeah, because it's like they go to breakfast after the Bonnie situation. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's still morning. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Butch comes up to the bar. He orders some red apple cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Non-filter. Like what? A dollar ninety for yeah, a pack like of cigarettes? Yeah, a dollar seventy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, bull crap. <laughs> Back then, that's how cheap it was. I can't remember. Cigarettes have always cost a lot in my mind. The smoking. Uh, we could talk about the smoking right now. There's a lot of people smoking in this movie. And in like public places. In public places. Yes. Restaurants. Quentin Tarantino makes no apologies towards this. Um but everybody who smokes looks cool when they smoke. They all do. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you I mean, they that. just look cool. Anyway, that's my little thing about that. And, like, I'm not against smoking in movies. I could care less. Um, I don't think watching John Travolta smoke would make me want to smoke a cigarette. No. Um, even if I was 15 years old. So, uh, Vince and Butch do not like each other. Yeah, they had a weird interaction at the yeah, He bar. calls him Palooka. He goes, you, you got a problem with me, buddy? He's not your buddy. You yeah, know? he calls him punchy right yeah. before they fade to Roseanne Arquette. So they don't like each other. I don't know what their history is, but they clearly don't like each other. And then uh, and then Wallace calls Vincent Vega mm-hmm. to his table. Yeah, so after that is when we talk about Roseanne Arquette yeah. and her crazy piercings. And uh, she says she has one in her, in her tongue and her... And he goes, excuse me. 
why you gotta why you gotta stud in your tongue? She goes, Oh, it's for fellatio, it feels nice. Yeah. And he just looks at her like the hell? <laughs> Vincent Vincent seems like a man out of time. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's a definite anachronism. Yeah. Um so is Jules really. They live in the seventies. Yeah. I mean, that's where they live in their minds. Uh but Vince is at his drug dealer's house. Mm-hmm. The drug dealer is not Jimmy. What's his name? Lance. Lance. Lance, the uh, Lance, the drug dealer, played by Eric Stoltz. This was the first role I'd ever seen Eric Stoltz in where he was, like, not a wholesome type character. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I It, it was it was kind of weird for me to see him, but I, I really enjoyed him in I this role. I think this is the first movie... I'd ever seen him in. Really? Not really, but uh, because I had seen The Mask, but right, I didn't know he was that guy. Right, but you didn't realize it. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, I think, the first movie I ever saw him in. And I was like, why isn't that guy in more stuff? It turns out that he's a method actor, and it's just people are, he's hard to work with, I guess, to some people. I don't know. I'm not going to go completely on that track because I'm not sure. A lot of, but it seems that way. A lot of people that are method actors, I hear, are difficult to be around because well, they yeah. take on that persona. Of well, that Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis has not done many movies, and uh, and he's a definite method actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's the case. I put down here Eric Stoltz, nice guy, drug dealer, <laughs> and he's just seemed like a real nice guy though. He's like, hey, come on in, yeah, man. yeah. I'll give you my some of this stuff from my private stash. And they're talking about heroin. And, of course, Vince just came from Amsterdam. He came from the drug capital of the right. world, right? And so he's like, oh, I could put all that Amsterdam stuff to shame, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's like, I doubt it. You can't beat Amsterdam. I mean, that's a conversation uh, not about drugs, but about food, maybe, that I would have had with somebody. Like, oh, I had, uh, I don't know, baguette. You know, something dumb. Uh, <laughs> oh, we got baguette here. Yeah, but not like Paris has right. baguette. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, and they're talking about heroin. Mm-hmm. And then there's this weird interaction. And when I first saw this movie, I thought we were going to find out the answer. A lot of unanswered questions in this movie. Who keyed Vincent Vega's car? Oh, yeah. We never know. We never know. But Tarantino has gone on record as to telling us who. Oh. Yeah. Who who keeps that the car? son of a bitch Butch. Oh. Yeah. That's two days, funny. Two days after getting his car out of storage, his car got keyed. Vincent Vega doesn't know who did it. Quentin Tarantino said it was Butch. That's hilarious. Yeah. And it's like this red Monte Carlo. Uh that car got stolen. While making this movie. Did it really? Yeah, and it was recently found. They, I, I can't remember the exact details, but the car was found because uh, it was sold to this guy. And it, he couldn't figure out the VIN number. Oh. And the VIN number had been kind of scratched off. Uh-huh. But enough of it was there to ident- identify the car uh-huh. as being That's Quentin Tarantino's so car. Funny. That was Quentin Tarantino's car. Oh, it was his actual car? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that car got stolen. Wow. I didn't know that. When I first saw this, I was like, 
did the drug dealer key his car? And it's like, is this going to be a thing? Because it kind of seemed tense, but it wasn't tense. Yeah. And then nothing happened. See, I didn't get that at all. Oh, uh, I got that. Like, when I first saw the movie, I, w- I was thinking that. Um, ever since then, I just didn't give a damn because you, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, then we see uh, John Travolta do heroin. I appreciated the cinematography of this scene. Yeah. Because he took great detail in showing the case and, you know, the opening of the bag and that even showing the drug use. Like, I'm totally against doing heroin. Please don't do that. But, you know, (laughs) the cinematography that went into this scene was great. Yeah, it was was amazing. Um, and, And it's one thing, it's one of those things that you, when you watch a Tarantino movie, you might not like the content. Mm-hmm. Like, there's scenes in, you know, The Hateful Eight, uh, uh, Jackie Brown, or even uh, Inglorious Bastards, which is his best film. It, hands down, is his best film. I do enjoy that one. Uh, where some ugly things are going on, but yes. you're like, this is so beautifully shot, man. It's, <laughs> right. You know? Right. And, and it's like, oh, but the content is so mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to see that his new one, uh, Once Upon a Time in the United States, or whatever it's called. I was hoping he would have pieced together a fake trailer for us by now, but he hasn't. So he just did the drugs. Yeah. So he's on his way to Mia's. And he is high off his Oh my balls, gosh, yeah. Stumbling, blurry-eyed, um, kind of slumped over. Um, he gets to the door, goes in. He's just so relaxed. Yeah, and this is like a popular meme now of him just like looking confused looking around yes <laughs> you know like they'll Love put they'll meme. put that on anything now but you only see mia's feet her hands and her lips at first and, and i'm like oh she's sexy <laughs> i'm pretty sure she's sexy <laughs> and of course i've only seen the trailer a thousand times at this point i mean i watched the trailer I watched the Urge Overkill music video on MTV, and I felt like I knew what was going to happen in this movie. And then you didn't. Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, You mentioned while we were watching it this time that uh, the Wallace house has a lot of art. There's a lot of weird statues. Like in the garden and the pathway up, there's Mm -hmm. some weird statues, and then there's just weird statues in the house yeah there's that one it looks like a guy like sitting on a chair yeah like on a chair backwards yeah it's it's just and it's just made of like metal Mm -hmm. so that's kind of cool they show her doing coke yes and uh yeah she's established as a coke head and then we get to see her barefoot again Mm -hmm. you know which is a signature yes of this director and she's ready to go yeah. You know, he makes himself a drink and she kind of like saunters her way. But yep. we don't see her face until later. Like no. her full face. We see her. No, when she's when she's reveals herself, we see her feet and then she's in the car and then we see her face. Oh. Okay. So There's a lot of that that happens in this movie that you don't see the person until later. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good director. It is uh, a director signature. I mm-hmm. guess. Um, I wrote down here. I wish I could go to Jack Rabbit Slims. Ah, yes. 
a place that is like themed like that. Yeah, the closest that we've ever come to a themed restaurant that looked like this was a Hard Rock. Well, no, it was Paul's up in uh, Ohio. Yeah, everything was themed like it was the 1950s. Yeah, but you didn't have like you didn't have the waitresses like radio that. Radio control, but, you know. Yeah, all all the memorabilia on the wall. Yeah, I, that's what Ed's, that reminds me of hometown. Ed you know? Sullivan being your host. Yeah, um, Buddy Holly being your waiter. Mm-hmm. Um, Marilyn Monroe waitress. Um, Ricky Nelson singing a song. Oh yeah. Um, I found it weird that they had a singer on the main floor. Yeah. And as you know, as Vincent's meandering behind mm-hmm. he passes um Martin, a Jerry rat Lewis. pack yeah. performing while this much louder singer is happening. Yeah. So it was kind of weird. Yeah, it's it was a lot of chaos and like all the booths were like cars. And uh yeah, and here's where we get Stevie Semi yeah. uh doing his cameo as Buddy Holly. Um yeah, he was there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't recognize it the first time because the only movie I had seen before this was probably, what is it? Was Happy Gilmore? No, no, <laughs> it was One-Eyed something. I, I can't remember the name of the movie. But he was in that. And I just called him the weird looking guy in that movie. Because mm-hmm. I didn't realize Steve Buscemi was a national treasure. Right. Uh, so. Besides movies. Uh, Vincent May- Vincent Vega calls this place a uh, wax museum with a pulse. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is very accurate. Um, we also wrote down here, smoking in public again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't see that anymore. Um, except for maybe at bars. But that's on the down low. <laughs> uh, what else? What else went on in here? So Mia goes to the bathroom at one point. And does a bunch of cocaine. But you don't see her at first. You see all these women gathered around in this mirror. And I'm like, I've been in a bathroom, a women's restroom. Yeah. There's more mirror than what they show right there. Maybe at Jackrabbit Slims, it's an intimate place. It must be. But there's like six, seven women doing makeup, looking at their faces. And then up pops Mia, having done a line. And none of those women react. Yeah. It just kind of was like, what? Right. (laughs) Yeah, and... Nobody reacts to it because maybe it's a normal thing. People just do coke in bathrooms. I don't know. I don't know. Like I've never seen somebody do coke in a bathroom. Well, but I don't go to those type of places. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I don't know. I, I've never seen people do drugs except for maybe once or twice. It's always been marijuana. I don't know. Um. Never seen anybody snort coke. No. When she gets back, her food's ready. She's like, I always love it when you come back from the bathroom and your food is waiting for you. <laughs> I kind of understand that. Yeah, yeah. She ordered that $5 milkshake. Yeah. And they had that interaction another time where a stranger tries another person's food, basically. Yeah. You know, because Vincent wants to try this milkshake. Yeah, it's kind of an intimate thing to try someone else's food. Exactly. Especially from the same utensils and straws and things yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. They're not afraid to, to swap uh, cooties, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but she wanted him to think of something to talk about, right? Yes. And so he thought of something. It was back to that Rocky Horror guy. Um, Tony Rocky Horror. Yeah. Um, and she, he goes, you know him. And she goes, yeah. 
and he tells her the story that he heard. Which is pretty damn ballsy, actually. Yeah. Or really stupid. Well, yeah, and, and I'm, he's clearly not thinking out of his, you know, head. You no. Know, he's, he's pretty high. But, uh, she kind of debunks it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that Tony Rocky Horror ever touched her was when he shook her hand at her wedding. Right. So, the only people that know what happened that day was Tony and Marcellus Wallace. Right. And then we go to another iconic scene. Yeah, the twist contest. The twist contest. And I'm not going to say that this is like Saturday Night Fever. No. Um, but it is a lit up stage. Mm-hmm. It is a song. And John Travolta is dancing. Yeah, and a lot of people were excited that John Travolta was exactly. dancing again. Every freaking talk show I saw him on, he was doing that twist. Mm-hmm. He's the little dancing monkey guy, you know, <laughs> uh, performing for Nichols. Michael, that movie he did where yes. he would play the angel. They showed him dancing the trailer on that. They showed him dancing on Look Who's Talking. Oh, they yeah. show him dancing on everything else. We get it. Yeah, we John know Travolta, he can dance. We know you can dance. I don't think it's him, though. I think it's other people portraying that this is what he, this is what you know him from. You know, remember come that, watch him. Remember that movie he won an Oscar for? He's doing stuff just like that now. <laughs> so they win that contest. It was like a contest, but they were the only people there. We didn't see anybody we else. We didn't need to see anyone But, else. you know, it's that uh, You Never Can Tell song, you know. Uh, I love the song. Good. Don't know who it's by. It's probably the, Chuck the, Berry. The music in this entire movie is excellent choice. Yeah. When I was dabbling in, like, wanting to write a script, I would write a song down. Oh, like, I could see that. That song during this. That makes sense. This will be my end song. Uh, yeah, it was, it's going to be good. I can't wait for my soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they get back to the house, and he's like, he's got to take a piss. She goes, that's too much information. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes into the bathroom, and he's just trying to talk him down from having sex with her. He's like... That's mm, what it seems like, we're yes. Just gonna, we're just going to have a drink. I'll go home and jerk off. Yes. Everything's cool. Yes. And he's just talking to himself. And, and she's playing Urge Overkill's Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. One of my favorite songs. It's a great song, and it's originally sung by Neil Diamond. Yeah. That's a great version, too. Yeah. You should listen to both. They're both very good. <laughs> But Urge Overkill kind of adds some kind of weird percussion that I like. It's kind of dark. Yeah. Like and it. uh, and it's fun to listen to. And she's singing along and dancing like a teenage girl. Because she's like 19 or 20 in this movie, I think. Like, she was, oh, she really? was pretty young. She's still young at this point? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and she sits down. And she's down. still high. <laughs> yeah, and she's still on cocaine. And, they're, you know, they got the high of winning that trophy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wait till I show my husband that I danced with another guy and got this trophy. You know? To be fair, you would have never seen Marcellus Wallace do this with her. Absolutely not. No. No. Uh, Marcellus Wallace, she's his trophy. Yes. Um, But anyway, she sits down and she finds his cigarettes and she finds a cigarette lighter. She's playing with the lighter and then she finds the baggie. So what's interesting about this, because I had no knowledge of any of this, but when he was at the dealer's house, he was like, I don't have any balloons. Will a baggie do? And I was like, 
why do you need a difference? Yeah, right there is foreshadowing. And now I now we come to the part where it's like, oh, this is where you find that a balloon is worse than a baggie. Yes. Uh, yeah, a balloon of heroin, a baggie of coke. I didn't know that. How the heck would I know it either? But I didn't know it when I watched it the first time either. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just stuff you learn just from research or, you know. Uh, movies. Doing your own yeah. drugs, I guess. Okay. I drink alcohol. Uh-huh. People have to ask me if they can have some of my alcohol, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's like, hey, sir. It's common courtesy Do you mind ask. if I pour myself a cup of your alcohol, please? Yeah. You know? Something it's courtesy. like that. Yeah. And if I'm at a place and I don't have alcohol and they have alcohol, I wait for them to offer it. Mm-hmm. I don't root through somebody's cupboards <laughs> to find a, a shot of 100 proof whiskey. No. And that's exactly what she did. She rooted through his coat, saw the drug, says, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll cut this up and, and snort it without even knowing what the hell it is. Yeah, that's pretty dangerous. That could have been Ajax. He could just have soap. Or maybe he's got a sugar fix for powdered yeah. sugar. Yeah, maybe he's just a freak. That's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she snorts it and it's instant regret. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's not much time to react uh-uh. before it happens. Right, and she's just like, oh, she looks like she's trying to dig it out of her nose at uh-huh. first, and then like, and then she just like, she's done. Yeah. I thought she died. I did originally, too. So in my brain, when I'm originally watching it again, yeah, I'm like, he's the rest of this movie, he's going to be chased by Marcellus Wallace. Uh-huh. How the hell is Bruce Willis involved in this? <laughs> You know? Right. Not even understanding that. He he frames these all in chapters. He he titled this. Yes. And I was like, okay, this is this part. All right. Let's go. <laughs> I hadn't watched Clerks yet either. And Clerks did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, Vince finds her. And uh, she is foaming at the mouth. Ugh. Her nose is bloody. Yeah. Her eyes are glassy. But he notices that she's still alive. Yeah. So you see him in his car. Just going down the road, turning that corner, and almost spinning the whole entire car around. Um, they really wet that floor down, or that ground down for that scene. And he calls Lance on the telephone, and Lance is eating fruit brute. Yeah, I've never seen that cereal ever. Look it up right now, fruit brute, and see how many movies it's been in. But is it a real cereal? It's a real cereal. It's it's up there with Frankenberry and Count Chocula. They made Chocula. a Funko Pop of it, the character. Yeah. Just how many movies has Fruit Brute been associated with? You'd be surprised. It's $15.99 for a box of that cereal. Retro Monster Cereals. Yeah, Holy it's up there with crap. Frankenberry and Booberry. one of them? Yes. Yummy Mummy. I only know Count Chocula, Booberry, and, and Frankenberry. Frankenberry. Yeah, I only knew those... Three as well. So Fruit Brute and Yummy Mummy, they must be uh, uh, California or East Coast things or something. There's Maybe a bigger Freakies cities. as well. Never even heard of that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but um, yeah, Fruit Brute's been in a couple movies. Uh, like directors just set it in a kitchen and there it is. Okay, so Fruit Brute was in Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. And I think that's it. So, yeah, Fruit Brute. 
He's eating his fruit brew. Apparently it's a thing. And his telephone is just ringing and ringing and ringing. And his wife is in the bed. And she's like, Nance, I thought you said nobody should answer the phone or call us after a certain time. You know, like 9 o'clock. And uh, he's like, that's right, honey. And I'm just about ready to tell this butthole here <laughs> the same exact thing. And their other friend is on the couch, like leaning back, smoking yeah. a bong. And she's wearing a shirt. Uh, that just says frames on it. Oh. You know why? Mm-mm. She did a movie, and she's Irish. She did this movie, uh, and I don't know the name of it, but it featured a punk rock group called The Frames, an all-girl punk rock group, mm-hmm. I think. She said, whenever I do another movie, I'm going to wear your t-shirt. So Aww. she does. That's So nice. that's her fulfilling a dream. Okay. Um... Vince is on the phone. It's like, Lance, I need you. I need you, man. I got a girl. She's messed up. I need you. And he's like, bite the bullet. Take her to the hospital. Call a lawyer. Yeah. No can do, Lance. I'm coming to your house. And he's like, are you talking to me on a cellular phone? Yeah. And it's like. Like, prank call, prank, prank call. call. I don't know you. And he hangs up real quick. <laughs> and then you hear squealing outside. And, uh, he goes out, uh, he goes up to the door and he pulls the blind and there's just this car that just speeds right by and crashes. And, and we follow him and out of the door. Yeah. And he's already got her like yeah, pulling he's trying her to out pull of the car. He's like, grab her feet. He's like, you can't bring a dead woman here. Uh, yeah. She's going to die in this one. And he goes, do you have any idea who Marcellus Wallace is? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't help me, I'm going to be forced to tell him that you let her die on your lawn. Let me grab her feet. <laughs> you take her in. Um, Roseanne Arquette's character. She's don't know mad. her name. She's just angry. Judy or yeah, something, something like, that. like that. And Lance is like, I got, a, I got a black medical book. She's like, what? I got a black medical book. And this is another scene where we're kind of kind of hunkered back a little bit and like Lance is in this room Mm -hmm. and all you could see is like stuff flying around right while he's looking for this book and it's kind of focused there but it can also pivot and turn and face Vincent and Mia Mm -hmm. and then turn back right so we got this whole weird like we're the we're a extra person we're a ghost in this room watching this stuff mm-hmm. um as it unfolds i don't think he finds the book i don't think he did either because like on this watch i could have sworn though like every other time i've seen it i thought he, found it he had a book in his hand yeah he does not no so he's just guessing at this point uh-huh how to give an adrenaline shot and so he's like he's like find her heart uh, does it have to be exact yeah you're gonna be shooting adrenaline into her heart it has to be exact and he's like, all right, all right, where's the heart? Is it right here? And he's like, points to an area. And, and the woman goes, yeah, that's it. He goes, all right, give me a marker. And she's just standing there. She's just combative the entire yeah. scene. She's just standing there. And he goes, a marker, a marker, a felt pen, something. Just give me something. <laughs> she's like, all right. <laughs> it's it's comedic and, and, and tense. Yeah. And you don't know where this is going. Because... At this point, when in my original watch, mm-hmm. I still think she's going to die. Right. 
I do not expect what happens next. Oh, no. In fact, when you finally maybe had me watch this movie mm-hmm. when we were dating, I yeah. had no idea what was going on. No. No, this is, uh, this is movie magic right here. Yeah. He shot this scene in reverse. Did he? Yeah, so you see him go like this. Oh. Instead of him going down. Uh-huh. Uh, it's actually him pulling up. But yeah, he, uh... He has to hit really hard to get through her chest plate or chest, breastplate in, into her heart and then push the plunger down. And he says, you got to hit her, you know, like this. He goes, I got to stab her three times. <laughs> no, you don't no, have to stab buddy. her three times. Just just get it in there. He's like, all right. And they're like, on three. So they go one and they, they focus on the eyes. Two. They focus on the needle and they're like, little drip is dripping uh-huh. through. And then three. All you hear is thud and Mia's eyes open. Uh-huh. Everybody that I was sitting with jumped a foot off the chair. I believe it because when I watched it and in my living room, I jumped off the couch. Exactly. <laughs> and that is movie magic yes. right there. I'd never seen anything like it. She freaks out. Uh, Mia does. And she gets up against the couch, and like Rosanna Arquette's like, Oh, that was the trippiest thing I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, say something. And she goes, Something. Yeah. Fade to black. Fade back in. He's taking Mia home. Now, he's like, How are we going to talk about this? <laughs> and she goes, How do you want to talk about this? He goes, I think Marcellus Wallace could live to the end of his days and never know this ever happened. Just that's probably a good idea. Earlier at Jack Rabbit Slim's, though, mm-hmm. she talked about how she did her TV pilot. Right. It's called Fox Force 5, right? Mm-hmm. The black girl was a demolition expert. Asian woman, she knew karate, kung fu. Um, Mia was good with knives, right? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like the early thought pattern for Kill Bill. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it's Kill Bill. In fact, uh, there's a theory that Mia Wallace plays uh, the character. The bride. uh, Of the bride. Mm -hmm. And and that it's one of those movies within a movie. Uh Uh-huh. Or movies in that movie universe. So, and I, I know, I know, I know, I know. You don't care. I can hear you not caring. All right. Uh, so, he goes, could you tell me one of those jokes? No, no. No? Mm-hmm. No, he goes to, the, she said how, you know, if Marcellus found out about this, she'd be in just as much trouble as yeah. he would. And he's like, no, I don't think so. Right. But I and mean, then, I meant to and say. And then he goes to leave. Then he goes to leave and she offers to tell him the joke. Yeah. And the reason why he's going to hear a joke is because her character in Fox Force 5 was raised by old vaudevillians. Vaudevillians? Vaudevillians? Vaudevillians. My gosh. No wonder it failed. You can't even say it. Uh, was a vaudeville performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knew all these old jokes. And here's one of those jokes. There are three tomatoes. Mama. A papa and a baby tomato. The baby tomato was kind of lagging behind. 
So the pop-up tomato went up there, squashed it, and said, catch up. Mm. <laughs> it's not funny, though. It's not funny, but not funny jokes are funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that ends that segment. And she looks dead. Right. We are now in our third segment, and this is about the watch. Yes. Racist cartoon. Yeah, it's a racist cartoon. It's like an Eskimo, but it's like just still pictures with somebody's mouth superimposed over it talking Mm -hmm. in this, oh, I got lots of big room in here. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this... It's probably a real cartoon, too. This must be the past. Yes. (laughs) Um... Yeah, and it is. It's, it's like 1950s, maybe 70s. No, not 1950s, because he's uh, he's a Vietnam vet. Oh, he was in Hanoi. Oh, so okay. it's it's a 1970s. Oh, okay. Yeah, there were racist cartoons then too. Um, of course there were. Like, <laughs> I think everything was racist in the 70s. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, he's watching this, and we, you don't really understand that this is Butch at the time. But Christopher Walken comes in and starts telling this story about how his great-grandfather bought a watch and uh, died during World War One. No, he survived World War One, went home, yeah. got married, had a kid, which is his grandfather at this point. Uh, and, and I'm not going to do any of this justice... If you want to see this scene and only this scene, you can find it on YouTube. Um, it's pretty good. We're going to play some of it, or we played some of it already. He, uh, His grandfather died in World War II, and it was passed on to his father, who was now in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And they got captured, and he put the watch up his butt. And before he died, he gave the watch to Christopher Walken's character. I think his name was Cooley. The, uh, Christopher Walken was Coons. Coons. And then Butch's last name is Coolidge. Okay. So, Coons, uh, stuck that watch up his butt. For two years. For two years. First time I watched this, I knew who Christopher Walken was. But I didn't know his name. I always called him that guy. Yeah. So I was like, it's that guy. (laughs) You know? And that guy was in a lot of stuff that I watched, you know? Um, Deep Cover is one of my favorite movies with him in it. Um, Things to Do in Denver Before You Die or something like that. Hmm. And that's another one. Deer Hunter was his big film earlier, right? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the deer hunter. But I think that's the one that made him a star, right? Um, I don't know if that made him a star. He wasn't really the focus in that movie. I mean, he was one of the that's friends. That's true. That's true. Um, and I think he died in the Vietnam War in that. It's been a long time since I've watched The Deer Hunter. Mm-hmm. That movie is that's good, 12 though. hours long. So, he tells this story and then Butch wakes up. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that Butch was having a dream. And he's in his full boxing gear. Uh, about ready to fight. Mm-hmm. And so he's supposed to go down in the fifth. That's what he agreed to do. Or else. Right. <laughs> so it cuts away a hard cut and it goes to Butch escaping. And you can hear on the radio. 
about the other guy still down. Yeah. And that he's probably dead. We see these eyes. Like, in this Tarantino film, the eyes are framed. Almost everybody's framed just in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you notice their eyes before anything else. I like that about this film. But you see her name. Or you don't see her name, but you see her. Uh, Miss Esmeralda Villa Lopez. Cab driver. Obsessed with death. She, the actress who played her, was in another movie where she cleaned crime scenes and was fascinated with death. Really? And so Tarantino kind of took that character. Oh, okay. And made her a cab driver. Interesting. Yeah, it's not I a Tarantino film. Was, I thought she was a weird choice for a cab driver. But <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, she says, you're that guy, you know, to Butch. Butch is like, I could be any guy, you know, being all Bruce Willisy, mm-hmm. And, you know, Kevin Smith has a bumpy relationship with Bruce Willis uh, because they did, uh, what was that cop movie? Cop Out. Yeah. And a couple of the times, I guess, Kevin Smith would go, how about in this scene you give, like, the Bruce Willis stare? <laughs> and Bruce Willis would turn to him and go, what the heck are you talking about? He goes, that, what you're doing to me right now. He goes, it ain't a stare, buddy. You know, something like that. <laughs> they just didn't like each other. And yeah. I, and they rubbed each other. He rubbed Bruce Willis the wrong way. Bruce just, I think he's a dick uh, in real life. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean. I don't think he is if he's made this many movies. Well, he, when he went on promotion for that movie Red. Yeah. Or Red 2, the second one. Uh he was a real jerk to a lot of those interviewers. Really? Yeah, you know where they have to sit in that room uh-huh. and like the, a reporter comes in like every uh-huh. five minutes. You have to tell them a little bit. You have to say the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. That's when I would start just drinking bourbon and just not stop. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to tell them whatever they want to hear now. Uh, but yeah, Butch killed the guy. You find out later that he uh, he placed a, at least eight bets on the uh, on the fight. Oh, did he? Yeah, he, I didn't he was catch talking that. about eight bookies. Oh, I didn't yeah. even catch that. Yeah, he says all eight of them. Oh, all right, uh-huh. and then he's like, he's like, when can I cash in? Later that night. So yeah, he's gonna clean up. He's he he just made a whole bunch of bank. Yeah, he's gonna get the money that night or the night next night, I think. And he's gonna move to Knoxville, Tennessee. That's his plan at this point. Later on, he tells his girlfriend that they might move to Bora Bora or uh, Yeah, they're Belize. discussing all these yeah. other countries. And she's adorable. She is. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, what's her name? Fabiana? Fabian, yeah. Fabian. She's just cute. She is. She wants a um, little pot belly because she like, thinks it's sexy. She's French. Um, she's done a lot of French films. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in a movie that was rated NC-17 over here called Henry and June. Okay. Um, it was the first one labeled NC-17. The next one was Showgirls. Was she in Showgirls? No. Oh. Oh, the rating. Yeah. Duh. Um, I think Pulp Fiction should have gotten an NC-17. Because of uh, yeah. Bruce's little Bruce? Yeah. Bruce's... <laughs> you, you get to... You have the opportunity to see Bruce's uh, side wiener. Yes. Um, not once, but twice. Uh, he's exhausted. He falls asleep. Whatever. 
the next morning he gets up and uh, he's looking for that watch. Yeah. Where's the watch? It's on the kangaroo. It's nightstand and the kangaroo. Yeah, I got it. Did you get it or didn't you get it? How important is it? It's very important that I got it. Yeah. It's like obvious she knows she didn't get it. Yeah. And he... He freaks out. Freaks out. And I make it a point not to name call. Yes. And he calls her a whore. Yes. And stupid. Yes, and frightens her. Yeah. So they're not long for this relationship. Oh, no. If he keeps treating her like this. So he has to go get his watch back. He didn't have to. Because technically... The lineage down from That is this, an heirloom. It's an heirloom, but it seems cursed. His father and his grandfather both died with the watch. You know? Yeah. It just seems like a cursed but, item that you don't go back and get. But it's a 100-year-old watch. That's true, but still. So, you go back to get the watch. <laughs> just saying. There's crap that you you would get, you would keep. Um, there, That is true. Yeah. But not cursed items. I don't believe in curses. <laughs> so yeah, they they know that they're in danger. They know oh, that yeah, because he used the money that Marcellus Wallace gave him to bet on those all those fights, and uh, he bet on himself to win in the first round, and he did. So he goes to his apartment, and I I told you earlier like. I lived in an apartment similar to this. Right. It's all closed in. There's a gate. Mm-hmm. Um, all the doors face each other, basically. Yeah. In this big compound. Kind of feels um, like prison. Think uh, that dread. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. kind of like that. Not as tall. You know, there's only two stories. Right. It's not a hundred to- stories. Honestly, it looked like a motel. But yeah, I know it was an apartment building. Yeah. Um. It kind of also reminded me a little bit of the uh, Karate Kid that that apartment that Daniel yeah. stayed in. Yeah, it looks like that. Bruce goes into his house. He notices that the door's been jimmied open. Mm-hmm. So he knows that somebody's in there. Or was in was there. Was in there, at least. Yeah. Um, so he goes in. It's quiet. Goes to his bedroom. Gets the kangaroo. You know, off the kangaroo, he gets a watch. He puts the watch on. Mm-hmm. Goes to the kitchen. And he makes himself, like, these toaster pastries, pulls, pushes them down into the uh, toaster, and then he notices a gun. Yeah. And this is a, a giant gun. hand cannon of a gun. <laughs> Vince comes out of the bathroom, and he kills Vince. And the smoke alarm goes off. And yes. I think the, the toaster strudels go up, and mm-hmm. he fires at that yes. point. Um, he wipes the fingerprints off. One side one of the side, gun. One side of the gun. Yeah. It's like, really? Well... What are you going to do? The whole thing. <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Goes back to his car, starts driving away, everything's fine. Next scene. No, it no. didn't get that way. No. That's what you hoped was yeah. going to happen. <laughs> um, no, he stopped at a light singing uh, uh, that Statler flowers Brothers song. Flowers on the wall. Yeah, counting flowers on the wall. Sees this man walking across the street with a, a box of donuts. And maybe some coffee. And he looks right at Bruce. Bruce looks right back at him. And this is the first time you see the face of Marcellus Wallace. Yep. And he goes, mother... And then he gets hit by the car. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, he hits Marcellus Wallace like full bore with the car, gets his car crashed into and spun out. And then everything fades to black yeah. for a second. Um, kind of like a blackout or a yeah. knockout. Yeah. Uh, cause the next thing you know, Kathy Griffin is standing there, uh, being Kathy Griffin saying, Oh, I saw everything. Yeah. The guy hit you with his car. And he goes, where is he? He goes, well, he's right over there. <laughs> Bruce Willis is like pulling glass out of his face. His nose is clearly smashed to one side or whatever. And this other lady's trying to help him. But Marcellus Wallace has already pulled out a gun. Everybody's scattered away from him. But there's still people around Bruce Willis. Yeah, because they're not paying attention to and him. And he points his gun and it's like wobbly. Yeah. And he fires and he hits this woman in the hip. And she goes down. Everybody's screaming. This reminded me of like a reality type situation where there's shaky cam uh, following Bruce Willis and following Marcellus Wallace. Marcellus Wallace is shooting at him. Bruce Willis is limping. He's grabbing his leg and he's hurt. He goes behind a building to, to kind of relax and catch his thoughts and everything. Marcellus Wallace shoots. He has to take off some more and he ends up in this pawn shop. Yeah. The guy's like, hey, buddy, what's the matter with you? You know, and, and then Marcellus Wallace comes in. He tackles him. They fight. You know, you feel that. That's that's a sting. That's, you know, <laughs> whatever. And then he takes a gun and he's going to blow his head off. And, of course, you hear click, click. Mm -hmm. Guy's got a shotgun behind him. He's like, he's like hold it there, buddy. <laughs> this doesn't involve you, pal. You're going to kill a guy in my store that involves me. So... <laughs> This is where the he movie slows out, down. Yeah, he knocks out Bruce and uh, calls somebody on the phone. Someone he calls Zed. All right. This part of the movie is the most uncomfortable part of this movie. Absolutely. Um, I'm still uncomfortable watching this part. It's not necessary, but it's still... Again, it's one of those things where you go, this is beautifully shot. Um this has style to it. Yeah. The content sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's like, Zed's waking him up, you know, so they're, they're yeah, squirting him really with this weird. water, um, out of one of those air pump things. So, they wake up, they got ball gags in their mouth, they're taped to chair. They look uh, uncomfortable. Yeah. And if Bruce Willis had a broken nose, he probably wasn't breathing. Yeah. I watched this with my friend, and he said, go get the gimp. The gimp is sleeping. I turned to my friend, and I was like, what's a gimp? <laughs> and and my friend goes, I think it's somebody who's uh, missing a limb. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I would have thought. I didn't know what that was yeah. for a long time until this movie. Um, and... I had seen people under the stairs. Uh-huh. Um, so I know what those outfits are. Oh, okay. Um, well, I've seen those outfits from that movie. Uh, and uh, I was still, like, when they they open this, like, chest. And, and they this guy gets out, and he's wearing that rubber suit, that American Horror Story-style rubber outfit that covers head to toe. And I turned to my friend, I was like, I thought you said he was going to be missing a limb. <laughs> And he goes, I don't know what's going on now. <laughs> All right. So that makes sense, I guess. And yeah, it's this guy in his he's full fetish gear right there. Yeah. 
Um, and he kind of like kneels next to Zed, and Zed's like using him as armrest. It's so weird. And he's like tapping him like that. Mm-hmm. He does eeny, meeny, miny, mo to see which one they're going to take care of first. Yeah. Actually, I think he said, who do you want to do first? Yeah. I thought at that point they meant kill. Yes. Or beat to death. Something. Lynch. Yeah. Um, In- Innocence makes this so much worse. <laughs> Especially the first time I saw it because I was like, wait, what? What's going to happen? This is horrible. Yep. Yeah. It, they take Marcel Swallows in the back. The they, way they closed the door, too, mm-hmm. was slow almost motion. slow. But yeah. Like stop motion, it slow motion. It really was. It was very, like, oh, this is so ominous. Yeah, yeah. It and was I'm the, glad they didn't show us a lot of that. It was the crap is going to happen right yes. now. Um, and yeah, this is the most serious part of the movie. And it still lets you chuckle a little bit in between dark bits. Because uh, he breaks out. And the gimp, yeah. they hung the gimp, like, like tied him to the ceiling. Yeah, just to watch Bruce um, Willis. And so he's stuck there. Yeah. He can't do anything. Bruce breaks out. Bruce knocks breaks him out, out. Knocks the guy out. Probably hung himself at that point because he that's, goes limp. Yeah, that's He's probable. hanging by his neck. Yeah, he is. Bruce goes back upstairs. He's like, I'm going to leave. Yeah. He takes, he sees uh, Zed's car keys. Or Zed's keys. Uh-huh. Uh, and he grabs them. Zed is wearing a uh, policeman's outfit or a security... Security officer, but he's wearing a badge. Yeah. So I always thought he was a cop at first. I did too. Until I saw the, the patches. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what Zed, who Zed works for, but uh, he's going to call in sick the next day. I don't think he's going to be able to do <laughs> anything the next day. Um, <laughs> you can hear them hooting and hollering, and you hear a lot of grunts, and that's why I thought he was getting beat up. Oh, See, I immediately knew that he wasn't getting beat up. Yeah, I I thought he was being beat up. Aww. I thought they were just beating the ever-living snot out of Marcellus Wallace, and I was like, good, that's what he deserves. <laughs> Little did I know what was actually terrible. going on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Bruce, he, uh, he stops. His conscience gets to him. He goes, and he looks around the... And he finds a hammer at first. Yeah, I love the progression of weapons. And then, yeah, he finds a, a, a baseball Ball bat. bat. Mm-hmm. Then he sees a chainsaw. Yeah. Then he looks up and, oh, is that a Tori Hanzo sword? <laughs> it might be. I, I watched a couple interviews of his last night on this movie. And uh, Cocaine was his best friend, I think, because he just speed talking. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, hey, oh, oh okay. <laughs> And him doing the dance, the, the, and everything. And oh, it's just wow. so bizarre to watch him. Um, he's a lover of movies. Oh, that's obvious. And he kind of got me to love movies as well. His Grindhouse films shows how much he Absolutely. really loved yeah. movies. So he goes down there with the sword and he opens the door. And it's again, another slow motion scene. Mm-hmm. Poor Marcellus Wallace. He's getting rogered pretty good. Ugh. I mean, Zed's going to town on that butt. Yeah. Um, so, this is the first time I've ever seen a rape scene in a movie. Uh-huh. And definitely one of the first times I ever saw man-on-man rape. Yeah. Uh, aside from Deliverance. I haven't seen that movie, I saw so. Deliverance a couple years before that, so I was like, I've seen this before. 
Yeah. That's, uh, that's not comforting. No. <laughs> yeah, those two guys. And he kills the first guy. I can't remember that guy's name. I don't know if they ever said his name. But it didn't matter. I just wrote him down as shop guy. Yeah. And then uh, he kind of holds Zed, like points the sword at Zed. But behind him, another slow motion shot is Marcellus Wallace standing up with a shotgun and he cocks that gun. Mm-hmm. Just move out of the way, Butch. Yeah. <laughs> he blows that guy's balls right off. And he says, me and this guy, we got some unfinished business. Mr. I'm going to be spending the rest of my life in total agony, you know? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Long story short, uh, Butch and Marcellus Wallace are square. Yes. But he's got to leave L.A. Yeah, he's got to get out of the 619. I don't know what L.A. is. Um, 818, I think he said at the beginning. I don't know. Jules. He said something about it. Um, not not even at the beginning, at the end. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So Butch goes home uh, to the hotel. Hotel to get, uh, to uh, get Fabian. Uh, Fabian. And uh, she's like, what happened? Where where were you? And he goes, it's no time to talk right now. Let's Where's just my go. Car? Yeah, I, I had to crash your car, baby. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No bags. Nothing. Just her purse. Yeah. You know? But if he goes and collects all that money, they don't need any of the stuff. He's Not got his watch and that's it. Yeah. She starts crying and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, get on the chopper. And she goes, whose motorcycle is this? And he goes, it's not a motorcycle, honey. It's a chopper. Well, whose chopper is this? <laughs> it's Zed's. Who's Zed? Zed is dead, baby. <laughs> you know? So, that's where the movie should have ended. That's where I thought it was going to end originally. Yeah, because that's kind of like a high note. That's like yeah. a peak high note. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's the way to end a movie. And then credits. But no. No. It's not. No. We go all the way back to that apartment. Yes. And Jules is telling that Ezekiel uh, passage. Right. And then him and Vince kill Brett. But we also see a guy in the bathroom next to the kitchen. And he's got this forty-four Magnum. That's a huge gun. Yeah. And he comes running out there and he blasts all six bullets he hits nothing. What's great is Jules and Vincent just stand there. Yeah. Unaffected. They like, stand there what? and they're just like, and then they look at each other. They touch their chest or whatever. <laughs> and then they both get these mean looks on their face and they just kill yeah. that kid. Um, played by Alexis Arquette. Yes. And then they look at Marvin and go, you couldn't have told us that there was somebody in the bathroom? It wasn't even like that. It was John Travolta walking up to him, kneeling down and goes... Why didn't you tell us about that guy? <laughs> and and Marvin's like, oh. Marvin's been in shock the whole, since they came in, I yeah. think. And he's like, he's like, you could have told us there was a guy back there with a hand cannon. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, man, they got lucky. Well, this is why uh, Jules feels that it was a miracle. Right. And now has this idea that... Maybe he's, he's like, on the wrong path. This is divine intervention. You know what that is? And he goes, when God comes down and stops bullets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they cut to a car. The car. that, And, you know, Marvin's yeah, they, in the back. They leave. And, and it's just... They're just... They're going back to whatever... Probably the, the safe house for a little bit. Yeah. Because... 
Well, they had the case. They were probably yeah. going to Marcellus at this point. That was probably where they originally were going. Well, here's here's the confusion though. Um, later on in this segment, mm-hmm. he calls Marcellus Wallace. He's not at the bar. Oh, he's sitting on a patio. Oh, that's right. With Uma Thurman having mimosas or something. Yeah. So maybe they were setting up. Were they setting up the time? I'm thinking they were going to a safe house until it was time to go because they're very clockwork people. You know, they it was, very they, much were. They went to the apartment. They were a little early, so they walked off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's specifics. Okay. That okay. are involved. Mm-hmm. I think. <sighs> this shows that uh, also that uh, handling guns is not one of Vincent Vega's. Yeah, who uh, sits in a car? With their finger on the trigger, pointed at somebody. Well, he turns around. He's like, Marvin, do you think that... And then, blam! Yeah. And before that, I was like, isn't that a little blam? Oh. (laughs) He's like, what just happened? I just shot Marvin in the face. Why'd you do that? I didn't mean to. The gun just went off. You know? And he still has his finger in the trigger. Yes. The whole time that you see him with that gun, even after this, his finger is still on the trigger. Exactly. He's a dumbass. Um, he is. <laughs> uh, but he, he doesn't know what to do with guns, obviously. He keeps them down the front of his pants in some situations. Uh, he left that one gun in the in the kitchen. If you're on a stakeout, I don't care how bad you have to go to the bathroom, don't go to the bathroom. Right. Or at least leave the door open with <laughs> your gun. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, and then he blows off Marvin's face. So, obviously, he didn't go to gun safety school. <laughs> okay. Um. Maybe they should have sent him. They should Com- have. He, common sense. So, they need to find a safe place to go. And he only knows one person in the area. And it's this dude named Jimmy. He calls him his partner. My partner, Jimmy. So, obviously, him and Jimmy do some kind of criminal activity together. It's usually, uh, and, and it's probably not uh, storing dead people in his house. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, yeah. Yeah. They meet Jimmy. Jimmy's played by Quentin Tarantino. And uh, I'm not going to say Quentin's a good actor, but for a director, but as a director, he, he he's a good actor. He's good enough. Yeah. Um, he, he seems like he's plays himself. He played Mr. Brown in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. He was in a movie called Destiny Turns on the Radio, which is not one of his movies, but he's in it. I remember that. I always thought it was his movie, mm-hmm. but it's not. Um, he does cameos. He usually does like gross people cameos, like in, in Planet Grind- Terror. Yeah, Grindhouse. He, uh, he plays a rapist. Yeah. Um. Which he blows himself gross. up in, in Django Unchained. Um, I don't remember if he was in Hateful Eight uh, or he, Jackie Brown. He was definitely somewhere in Jackie Brown, I think. But uh, I think he, he was he used parts of his body in Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's got a wife named Bonnie. She's a nurse. She's about to come home. She comes home at ten o'clock. How long? How long is that? That's in about an hour. Yeah. So you know that it's nine o'clock. Yeah, and that if Bonnie comes home and sees this, he's getting a divorce. Yeah, yeah. There isn't no <laughs> marriage counseling. It's a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> so, let, this was the first movie I think I had ever seen 
with not just one interracial marriage, but two. Yeah. And yeah, it was normal. Bonnie is a black woman. Yeah. And like in the 90s, it seemed like it was still semi, like you didn't talk about it. Right. And today it's really common, yeah. normal, which it should be. Yeah. But back then it was like, oh, this is refreshing. Yeah, it was interesting. And I, I remember commenting on it when I first saw it. I was like, oh, it's a black lady. Like I was shocked. Um, because you know you just see people paired up, and it's like the black people with the black people. White exactly, people with and that's with Asians. that's the way TV had always portrayed them. Yeah. So it was really refreshing. Yeah. So yeah, it was very progressive thinking right there. At that like point. even in Jackie Brown, she dates Hi- Harvey Keitel. Yeah. So another interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see here. Oh, for this segment, I'm not 100 percent because he's not credited. But Robert Rodriguez directed this segment. Really? Yeah. Because um, Quentin was Because Quentin was acting. in front of the camera. Quentin uh, wanted to play Lance at first, but then he kind of was like, he didn't want to because he wanted to direct that scene and uh, be behind the camera so he could get the that shots that he sense. wanted. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I think Eric, Eric Stoltz being in that position was way better. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been weird to see... Uh, Quentin as Lance. Although yeah. in my brain I could still see it. I'd be like they're kind of interchangeable mm-hmm. in that sense. Uh Eric Stoltz could have probably gotten a haircut and been Jimmy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um but anyway he has to clean these guys up and get that body out of there. Yeah. He does not know what to do. Nope. But Jules knows what to do. He calls his old buddy Marcellus Wallace. Mm-hmm. Marcellus Wallace calls a guy called the Wolf. Yes. Now the Wolf is played by Harvey Keitel. I don't know the relationship between uh, Quentin and Harvey, but Harvey Keitel is known for doing these gritty roles, um, mean guy roles. He was in The Last Temptation of Christ as Judas. Okay. Um, he was in uh, Reservoir Dogs as I think Mr. White. I can't remember. It seems right. Yeah. It seems right, he even if it's of, not. He was one of the misters. He was in uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. And he was in uh, Taxi Driver, which isn't their, his movie. But I think this is why Quentin Tarantino loves Harvey Keitel. I could see that. Is because of Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is like a great movie. Okay. <laughs> I know what we're doing next. <laughs> All right. right. Um. So this whole Bonnie situation has to be nipped in the butt, right? Yes. But this is one of the few movies where they use the N-word a lot. Very much. White people and black people saying the N-word a lot. Yes. And it's like, hmm, I think this movie would have gotten an NC-17 because of that. Yeah. If that movie was made today. Yeah. NC-17. That and the butt rape. (sighs) Just that probably would have gotten it. Yeah. So... It's very interesting um, style choices. But yeah, he was like, he's like, is there a sign outside my door that says dead, dead enter storage? No, there isn't, Jules. There isn't. Yeah, he says the N word like 10 or 15 times. It well, feels like it's a lot. It's about three or four, but. It seems like more. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he says it. And Quentin's not shy of having that word said. I mean, it was said in The Hateful Eight. Um, and Django. And Django, yeah. It was Django, said a lot I mean, in Django. I mean, even Leonardo DiCaprio was like, I think I said that word too much. Yeah. 
but it doesn't matter. He's unapologetic, um, and I don't care if that word is said. That word needs to be out of our vocabulary, of course, but it wasn't at that time. Yeah, for a period piece, it makes sense. Like, The Hateful Eight is set so far back, and people did speak like that. Yeah. As uncomfortable it is as it is, they did speak like that. I don't want to hear the word, but... You know, right. it's there. Yeah. Um, Harvey Keitel, he comes in, and he needs to use the linens, and, you know, he tells he tells uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know, your Uncle Marcellus Wallace, he can pay for anything that you lose. He can even get you better if you want. Yeah, it was Do you kinda... like oak? And he's like, um, oak's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ballsy to just go, well, you know, this, this was given to me by my dead uncle, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's going to help you in the long run you will just get rid of the quilt you will not get a divorce if we deal with this yeah (laughs) so vince and uh jules clean up the car yeah um looks all right and and i did mention while we were watching the movie that when quentin tarantino looks in the car he goes so like a brand new car yeah and i'm like this is like infomercial (laughs) bullcrap you know like where does the soda go yeah yeah and and it's like uh are you tired of your car being all bloody? <laughs> Try blankets. Oh my gosh, blankets worked. You know? Um, but they do this thing where they have to strip Vince and uh, Jules down. He hoses them off in the in the backyard. And you see you see Quentin kind of giving Harvey a little bit of direction. And he goes, oh, get him, get him in yeah. the hair. Get him over <laughs> You know? And I think that was just uh, on-camera directions that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, they get cleaned up. They get put in these these uh, t-shirts and shorts that you see them right after this first scene or second scene in the movie mm-hmm. when they go to the bar. And you're like, oh, things are connecting now. Yeah. Because, you know, we just saw Vince die as well. Right. But here he is back in the movie. Exactly. Everyone who died in the movie isn't dead yet at the end of the movie. Right. Isn't that a weird situation? <laughs> Uh, they clean up, they go to the junkyard, they get rid of the car. Um, the wolf goes to breakfast with his new, uh, sweetheart, Miss Julia Sweeney, mm-hmm. who probably that was the hottest I've ever seen her look. Yeah. Cause usually she was Pat, um, or, or a whiny mom on mm-hmm. SNL, you know, something like that. But here she was, I was like, holy crap, she's pretty. Mm-hmm. Then they, they go to the diner. Yeah. And during this, we find out that Jules doesn't eat pork. I don't know if that was sudden or he's just never eaten pork. No. he. Well, he had mentioned earlier at the beginning before he tasted the burger that his he, he's a vegetarian because his girlfriend is a vegetarian. Yeah. So, you know, he probably hasn't doesn't eat pork for a long time. A lot, a well, lot of he, reasons. he doesn't eat pork because it's a filthy animal. That's right. what he said. Yeah. And then uh, they kind of have this, there's this the moment where they are just like two guys. Uh-huh. And they're talking about pork. Yeah. And he's like, well, what'd you call a dog a filthy animal? A dog eats its own feces. And he goes, dogs are charming. He goes, so if a pig was charming, would you eat it? <laughs> he goes, be a have to be a really charming pig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they just start laughing. And yeah, it's a funny scene. It, it just sounds like two friends talking. Yeah. And uh And then they, they also have more of the discussion about uh the, the miracle and the, yeah. yeah. 
And he says he's going to, Jules says he's going to walk the earth. And uh, he goes, what do you mean walk the earth? He goes, I'm going to walk the earth and have adventures just like uh, Kane and Kung Fu. And that made me laugh. It always yeah. makes me laugh when he goes, just like Kane and Kung Fu. Uh -huh. So it just, still, it makes me chuckle it's a little funny. bit. It's funny. He goes, you know what they call that, Jules? They call that a bomb. You're just <laughs> going to be a bomb. And he, and he says bomb like it's a bad word. Yeah. Bomb. Yeah. Uh, and then he has to go take a crap. <laughs> That's something that he always does. Yeah. He has to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And bad things happen when uh, when he goes to the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, one time he died. Yeah. Um, and he had this book with him. I don't remember the name of the book, but it was it became a New York Times bestseller after this movie. I believe it. Um, there was there was a few products in this movie that were kind of surprising. Like during uh, like the Fruit OD, Fruit? well, that and the OD scene, you yeah. see Operation in Life yeah. game during that, which is really interesting because that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. Subtle product placement. Right. Um, and it, it's at this point you hear in the back... Garcon, more coffee. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. I, I know this scene. Yeah, because we didn't know if it was the same diner or if it was even the same time until that happened. So, yeah, we see Tim Roth and Amanda Plummer's back. And they get up. They say their lines. But Amanda Plummer says it differently yeah. this time. Yeah. And that's a style choice by Quentin Tarantino. He could have just... Film that whole scene first and just replayed that scene. But no, you notice here he filmed these separately. These are two separate incidents. But it's the same incident. Robbery happens and Jules is in the back and he lifts up his wallet because they're grabbing wallets. Mm -hmm. um, Amanda Plummer's character, Honey Bunny, she's on crowd control. Pumpkin, Mr. Tim Roth there, he's, he's taking wallets. Emptying the cash register. Everybody's out in the front. Except for Vincent. Except for Vince. He's clueless. Mm -hmm. He's in there taking a crap reading his book. <laughs> um, and they even, don't they show him. They show him yeah. just. He's just like. And I'm like. Casual. Don't need to see him on the toilet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so just casual taking a poo. Uh, and he's, uh, Jules is holding up his wallet. And uh, he drops it in. And he goes, that wallet was fat, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it was fat. There's 1500 bucks in it. Um, and he goes, what's in the briefcase? He goes, this isn't my briefcase, something like that. Um, he goes, well, give it give it over. Open it. Give it to me. He goes, I can't do that. That's when the tension starts mm -hmm. right there. And Jules pulls out his gun. Or he had his gun already out. Yeah. But he points it at Ringo. He calls him Ringo. Yeah. Um, and you Pumpkin. find out, uh... Honey Bunny's Honey's name is Yolanda. Yolanda. But we never find out Pumpkin's name. And they're even... I think they're even credited as Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's this tense situation, and it's all coming to a climax when Vince gets back, and he's he's pointing the gun at Honey Bunny. Honey Bunny's pointing the gun at him, and he's like, put the gun back on me. Train the gun back on me. Yeah. And she's like... Real stiff. She's totally, like, out of her element. Yeah, she is in a panic at this yeah. point. So she doesn't know what to do. He said, pull my wallet out of there. All I want is my wallet. You can take the money. And Vince goes, if you let him have that mo have that money, I'm going to shoot him on principle alone. <laughs> and and she's like, he's like, shut up, Vince. 
shut up. And, and then and Honey Bunny goes, yeah, shut up. You know, it's just funny how that interaction happens. Mm-hmm. It's comical, but it's tense. Kind of like this whole movie is funny. You could call this a comedy. It's not. No. So you see this interaction. He tells the whole Ezekiel thing again. Except this time he's trying to translate it. And it sounds like an ignorant person trying to translate something. It's just stupid. Yeah. And, uh... Doesn't he say something? Usually if you hear that, you're a goner or something like... Once you heard that, I smoke you, basically. But I'm I'm trying to change. Yeah, I'm trying real hard. No, he said something like, I'm in a transition phase. I'm in a transition phase. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he does say that. Um, Long story short again, Honey Bunny and Pumpkin walk out of the, uh... Walk out of the diner. Yeah. With all the money. No consequence for them. Not that we see. Vince and and Jules, they start to leave. And this is a cool scene because it's another one of those long takes. They're Mm -hmm. just walking. And we're behind the diner at this point. The camera is. And we're just following them. And people are like who have been like with their heads down are now looking up and looking at them Mm -hmm. as they walk by. Yeah. They get to the door they put their guns down their pants and they walk out. Credits. This is a great movie. Yeah. This movie deserved all the awards it got. John Travolta redeemed himself from years of bad movies. Of course, after that, he did more years of bad movies. So, I mean, he might have done some good ones. I, I liked Phenomenon. I liked a couple other ones. But this movie and Saturday Night Fever, his two best movies. Agree to disagree. I guess we're going to watch Saturday Night Fever soon. No, I never liked that movie. The thing that I noticed the most when I watched this movie yesterday. Yeah. Was the usage of natural lighting. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about cinematography first. And there were those, like I said, those long takes. Those mm-hmm. those uh, places where the camera was but the actors were somewhere else yes. on screen mm-hmm. they weren't center yeah. like these uh, most directors they put their like close ups when there's conversation there's quick cuts to each one's face yeah. so you know which one's talking yeah and I, I think that's i think that's unnecessary show the yeah. whole room right um or yeah, you don't yeah. even have to show that person sometimes like with uh marcellus and butch yeah it was more intense to see Bruce Willis just sitting there being talked at mm-hmm. than having to actually see Marcellus. Yeah, you didn't have to see Marcellus in that scene. But when they pan back, you know, he's this big black guy. Yeah. He's got a Band-Aid on the back of his head. Um, possibly where his soul escaped. <laughs> you don't know. Um, but yeah, it's the, the natural lighting was really well done. Like, even you said, like, you don't have to see their whole face Mm-mm. in bright light. They don't no. have to be a wash in pure light. Yeah. It can be gritty. It can yeah. be dirty. But it's also beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. There isn't really that much I can say about each scene and and say, I didn't like that scene because it wasn't pretty. No. no. It was all pretty. Right. This movie is a beautiful movie from beginning to end visually. Yeah. Um, yeah, the long takes were good. The, uh, that scene where he's in that room and he's putting the heroin needle together. Yeah. The choices of scenery mm-hmm. in Marcellus Wallace's house. Like that reel-to-reel, uh, music. Yeah. 
tape. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to call it. It's just this reel-to-reel... Stereo. Stereo. Yeah. And it's like, I've never seen one. Never in my life have I seen a reel-to-reel tape player. No. It's what I would expect in like a, a recording studio. Yeah. What they lay the tracks down yeah. on. That's the kind of equipment that was. Mia Wallace, uh, she was shot beautifully. Um, they didn't focus on her boobs or her butt. They no. focused on her eyes. Um, uh, Esmeralda Villa Lopez, they focused on her eyes yeah. in the rear view mirror, through mm-hmm. the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, even Butch, they focused on his eyes. Like everybody, you know who they are because of their eyes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that you can get from looking at someone in the eyes. Right. There's a lot of beauty and intenseness. Facial expressions, um, the way people moved, mm-hmm. everything was meticulously thought out. Yeah. There's, I've heard that there is improv in the movie, um, just from like lines being said, but there's no long, like long improv moments. Deviation. Yeah. This is a Quentin Tarantino script. Mm-hmm. He was, he was a hot writer and then he became a director. People loved his scripts. And this was, this was his first Big budget movie. Well, it's not even a big budget movie because we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, it was his first big movie, though. Yeah. With big stars. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis was in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know why Bruce Willis was in this movie? No. Because he was talking to Samuel L. Jackson and Sam Jackson said, I'm going to be in the next Tarantino film. And Bruce was like, Man, I wish I could be in one of his movies. I saw, I just saw Reservoir Dogs, and it was a great movie. Wow. Sam Jackson got him in the movie. So there you Interesting. go. Interesting. I didn't know and that. And of course, Bruce is Bruce. I mean, there's respect. Mm-hmm. Even if he had his thing with, you know, whatever happened with Red 2. Mm-hmm. Red 2 probably was a terrible movie. I don't remember seeing it. I didn't. We didn't watch um, that one yet. And, and, uh cop out he knew he was in bad movies so maybe he just was mad that he had to do these for paychecks that's possible um but yeah the the cinematography in this movie is beautiful long shots tight shots aerial shots i mean we got everything out of this movie that we wanted Mm -hmm. it was like going to film school yeah because this is what they should show in film school um when i took film classes at uh, at the university, we talked about Tarantino, and we watched Inglorious Bastards, and you know we we kind of picked that one apart. We could have picked this one apart too. Mm-hmm. Um, things that he learned from making Reservoir Dogs and being on set of other movies and watching other movies get made, he put all that knowledge into Pulp Fiction. Yeah, let's talk about the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack to this movie. I did too. Um, I remember going to our record store and buying what I thought was a Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Uh huh. And it was music inspired. Oh. Oh, ew. By Pulp Fiction. Yeah. No, it's good. It, it had Nine Inch Nails, it had a oh, bunch of okay. other bands, but <laughs> it wasn't the music from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, the 90s were a weird time. So, Urge Overkill mentioned that. There was a bunch of songs that got played during the Jackrabbit Slim. Um, there's these uh, 
na 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 Oh, yeah. That. Um, Mr. Lou by Dick Dale played mm-hmm. at the beginning and the end of the movie. Jungle Boogie by Cool and the Gang. Mm-hmm. Music was as important in this movie as it was in Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs, we had a narrator. Not a narrator, but a, a, a radio DJ. And, and he would be talking, you know, this is a sexy sound, so the 70s, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So we kind of get that radio thing going again. And, uh, yeah, I love the music of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What was your favorite part of the movie? I really enjoy the opening. Yeah. With Honey Bunny and Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy the initial uh, interaction between Fabian and Butch. Yeah. Um, it's really tender. But I would think that my favorite part is actually the scene where... Uh, right before Brett eats it. Yeah. Where Jules eats the burger, he takes the drink, you know, and then the monologue. Yeah. It's like a perfect scene. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good scene. That is a very good scene. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part of the movie is the part at Jack Rabbit Slims. And see, that's (sighs) really great too. Yeah. Um. The dance. There's dancing, there's music, there's. Bloody as hell steak, nice burger. You know, what can you do? Five dollar shake? What does a five dollar shake taste like? Apparently it tastes pretty friggin' fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was my favorite. I mean, a close second would be when they revived Mia. That's that's a rough scene to watch. It is, it's but it's great. intense and yeah. it's one of my favorite things to watch when other people are watching it for the first time is to sit there, the sound all the way up. And watch just them. so you can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a good jump scare. Yeah, and I guarantee you, Quentin Tarantino knew what he was going to do. What didn't you like about the movie? I didn't like the the rape scene. Yeah, me either. That it kind of slowed the movie down at that point. It did. It it came to a crawl. Yeah. Because up until that point, everything moved very quickly and fast. And it flowed really well. But I feel like they had to do something so that Butch would get out of L.A. free. Well, like, yeah. That's, or, or the, else, that's the only reason for the scene. Or else you would, have had, you would have had him escape. And then you're like, well, he's, he's a wanted man. He's going to die eventually. Well, they yeah. could have done a whole other movie yeah. of just Butch and Fabian on the run from the mob. Well, yeah, because Butch is going to be well known no matter where he went. Yeah. Who's your most liked character? It's kind of funny, but I think Harvey Keitel's character, the wolf, the wolf, was my favorite. Winston, yes, because he was so yeah. Matter of fact, you're going to do what I say, mm-hmm. and this is going to be okay, right? Um, I think mine is Marcellus Wallace. Really? Yeah, he's just the boss. I mean, he was in charge. He knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He got what he wanted. Um, and he he liked it. Yeah. You know, he, he lived his life the way he dictates. Right. Um, of course, you know, some crazy stuff happens. It was out of his control. Correct. But you don't get to where you are without breaking a few eggs. <laughs> right? Right. Um, who's your least liked character? Well, obviously, 
if if we take out the two hillbillies. Yeah. Yeah, because, don't don't add yeah, Zed and the boy. Because obviously you're gonna hate them. And if you don't, I'm sorry, you might have a problem. Um probably uh Rosanna Arquette's character. Yeah. I could see that. Totally. Like, dude, just do something. Mm-hmm. Don't be a bitch. Right. <laughs> um yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with the same person. Uh, she added really nothing to the story except that Lance was in a terrible relationship with a woman. Yeah. So, poor and Lance. she had poor decorating skills. <laughs> Those shoes on the background in their bedroom. You yeah, You can tell a lot weird. by people, by their bedrooms. Yeah. Because that's your inner sanctuary. It's decorated with weird shoes. Yeah. Of us doing this podcast, we are now noticing background and set design and things like that. And, uh. Yeah, it, it's just like, it was weird. It was like shoes, these platform shoes yeah. on shelves in, just on the wall. Yeah, and they're not shoes that you wear. No. They're like statue shoes. Yeah. Yeah, Which was a weird. thing in the 90s. I guess. I never saw it once in my real life. Well, you weren't a girl. And I never saw that <laughs> once in my real life. Do you think there was any kind of lesson? As a viewer or? As a viewer. A maybe. character. Maybe as a viewer. As a viewer, don't do drugs. Yeah. Don't get involved with the mob. Okay. And sometimes helping uh, at accidents can get you killed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a good Samaritan. Don't do drugs and don't be in the mob. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was uh, more uh, the choices you make in your life, mm-hmm. they stick with you. Yeah, they do. So try and make good choices. Yeah. Don't be a butch. Don't be a butch. Be a Vince. Don't be a Vince. <laughs> Vince um, was a dumbass. He handled his gun stupid. Do you think it was weird that uh, we know how Vince and his brother die? <laughs> I forgot about that. Vic Vega was in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. As Mr. Blonde. And uh, Vince Vega is his brother. Yeah. And there was plans of a sequel uh, involving the Vega brothers. Oh. That did not work. Because he thought of it 17 years later. <laughs> kind of like the uh, the the Dawn of the Dead yeah, brothers, the, you the know. Geckos. Gecko brothers, yeah. Although that could be more explored if they, you know, did it on the television. Well, didn't one of the actors. Gecko brothers die? Yeah, at the beginning. Or yeah. at, the, at the end. Oh, yeah. But if it's a prequel. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, here's the part you love the most. Mm. How much do you think... It cost to make this movie. Twenty million. Twenty million. That's that's steep. Um, no, it wasn't twenty million at all. Okay, so my first guess in my head was like eight million. Eight million's right. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Eight million dollars with uh, most of it going towards the uh, paying the cast. Oh, that makes sense. So about mm-hmm. three million, two point five to three million, uh, pay for set design, film, whatever mm-hmm. else gets paid mm-hmm. for. Uh, he used his own car. Yeah. He used his own wallet. That bad mother effer wallet. Was that his? It was his wallet. Oh, that's yeah, funny. It's, it's like because of Shaft, the movie Shaft. Uh huh. Oddly enough, good old Jules there. He plays Shaft later on in his life. Yeah, he does. Um. How much money do you think this movie made? Do you think it was a successful movie? I feel it was a successful movie because 
he came out with another movie, it seemed like, just a few years later. Yeah, after this, I think it was Jackie Brown. Yeah, so it seemed like he had one, like, every two years for a while there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go really high for what I think is high. Say $100 million. Double that. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. So, U.S. domestic box office uh, on Box Office Mojo says that this movie made two hundred and thirteen thousand or two hundred thirteen point nine million dollars on a budget of eight point five million. That's amazing. It is amazing. Was that domestic only or worldwide? That was domestic only. Wow. Um, that means that this movie made twenty times a lot. You know, yeah, what the budget was. They're going to give you another green light for a movie, no Absolutely. matter what it is. Yeah. It could have been Hitler is my best friend, the movie. <laughs> and they would have said, okay. I hope Th- not. No, they would have. They would have. like that. They would have. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the movie. Wow. Made a lot of money. Um, Quentin Tarantino lives wherever he lives. I know virtually nothing about Quentin Tarantino except from what I've seen in interviews. Because... I don't, he doesn't have much of a social media presence as some others do. Which I appreciate, actually. It is nice. Yeah. Um, But you don't know, like, I don't know what he had for dinner last night. It could have been spaghetti. I don't know. I'm glad I don't know what he had for dinner last I, night. I don't, I don't know if his dog is named uh, Chocolate. There's so much oversharing. Yeah. That I'm glad. It's refreshing to not know everything about these people. Right. Uh... You can follow us on Facebook. We are Happy Funtime Movie Hour. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at Funtime Movies 1. That is Funtime Movies and the number one. We'd like you to subscribe to us. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And from all that, I can say you can watch this movie on Netflix. Pulp Fiction is on Netflix. (laughs) Or you could just go watch a different movie. (laughs) 